Pastor Chad Reyes. And Pastor Robert Bennett. Can we mute that channel that's causing that hum there? That's the computer channel, whatever channel the computer's on. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. And so what I did was I asked, the, I asked these wonderful men of God to come up here today, and I asked them to, y'all have a microphone? All right, y'all need a mic. You ain't got a mic. I know, but I don't want you to have to yell. There you go, there you go. Just go, you go. You'll go first, okay, when it's time to answer today. For this one. But what I did was I emailed the pastors and I asked them, I said, okay, I want to do an interview with you guys. I want, to, I want to do an interview regarding the Father's heart and what it really means for us to be a father. I think that we preach and we teach plenty. And, um, and so what I did was I emailed them some questions. I didn't throw them some, some questions as crazily, but I made sure that they had some time to think about it. I didn't want to put any of them on the spot. Now, what I did not tell them is that you will have opportunities to ask questions. So those will be on the spot. Hallelujah. Um, if you choose to ask questions, if you want to ask a question, all you got to do is raise your hand out there. We'll look around, and um, one of the pastors will see you. I got this direction. They got that direction. So if you raise your hand over here, they'll point, they'll point you out, and we will go on ahead, and we will answer those questions for you. Those questions, you know how I like to do it. Pastor Robert is different than me. He likes to do questions throughout. I do questions at the end. And so if you have questions, you can ask them at the end, and um, anything goes. And if it doesn't apply, we'll let you know that, and we'll send you an email with an answer. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, so for, the first, for the, the first thing here is that hands down, I think that the greatest honor is that, that God has given men is to be called father. You all agree on that? Amen. The greatest honor, one of the greatest honors that God has given us is to be called father. Along with that honor comes the great responsibility of being a Bible honoring father who reflects our heavenly father. So with that being said, what is your greatest challenge as a father? That's a great question. Thank you. I thought so when I wrote it. So that's probably why you wrote it. Okay, so my greatest challenge as a father is to instill a moral warehouse in my child. Um, I endeavor to try to instill um, godly principles in her life so that when she is out and about and I'm not around, she can go to that moral warehouse and say, okay, this is, this is the right thing to do. And so um, as she grows up, you know, we have, I have, you know, less and less total control over her. And so um, it's challenging. I want to make sure that the time that I do have with her, um, I don't let distractions get in the way, but that I father her, not as a, as a re, on a reactive basis, but as a, as a, on a proactive basis and instill those things so that when she does grow up and she's out of the house, she knows, you know, right from wrong. And hopefully she's in love with Jesus and, you know, she chooses the right thing. So I think that's the greatest challenge. Hold on, hold on, hold on. How old is your daughter? She's four. <laughs> now, you know, you see how deep that was, right? That was like moral warehouse. Now, now listen, there's a reason why I, why, why I asked that question. Because we laugh like, oh, you can't do that at four years old. Yes, you can. Amen? You know, the Jewish custom, they start teaching kids as young as possible. Uh, you got to understand this. This is how serious this is. Jewish folk, the way that they, the way that they you know, train their kids up, their, their children have to memorize. Listen to what I just said. Memorize the first five books of the Bible. Memorize. You know, that, you know how many of y'all know what a bar mitzvah is? Or yeah, at least you've heard the, that something, right? 
when they would go to that, the way that they would find out if this kid was really worthy and all that stuff to be graduated onto manhood, you know what they would do? They would, they would ask him, they, they would say one particular phrase, and they would have to say the preceding phrase and the proceeding phrase. In other words, it wasn't like, you know, just go ahead and say, no, no, you got to say what was before it and after it. And so they start this from a young age, and so don't think that it's not possible. It is possible, but like, that's why I asked the question, what is the greatest challenge? The greatest challenge is to make sure you don't wait until your child is like 20. I think you're ready for some more, some more warehouse, you know. That's not going to work, okay. Um, I, I don't know what the statistic is exactly, but what I do know for sure is that it's a pretty young age that you should have already instilled almost everything into your child's life. Very important. Amen? All right, praise the Lord. Go ahead and you can pass it on now. Pastor Chad, what, is your, what, 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 what are your children's ages? And what, what, what's your daughter's name for those who don't know? Alina. Alina, very good. One child, right? I'm just, I'm doing this for them, not for me, because I'm acting like we're just, we don't know them. They're just, they're guests into our little, you know, conversation here, right? There you go, there you go, in my, in my living room. Pastor Chad, come on. Well, I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Both of them will be, um, have birthdays next month, so on the verge of being three and six. Um... My greatest challenge, is that, is that good? Is that That's good? good. That's the question. That's Isaiah good. Michael is the six-year-old, five-year-old, about to be six. And then Caleb Joshua is the two-year-old getting ready to be three. Um, the greatest challenge as a father for me is being a Christ-like example. Um, this is the greatest challenge to me because I recognize my sin. I recognize my imperfections, and I recognize the call to, to love them. They need to be loved, man. They need to be cherished. They need to be accepted. And because of my fallen nature, I'll have the tendency to be overbearing. I'll have the tendency to uh, not love them well whenever they're being disciplined or whenever they're being corrected. And um, so that's my greatest challenge. I just want to be in unity with Christ so that I can have the fruit of the Spirit flowing from me because I can look at all of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I can look at all those fruit and I can see, oh, wow. I got some issues. I need, to, I need to tighten up a little bit. I got, man, I'm not loving well enough. I'm not being as patient, you know, in different situations throughout um, our lives and me as a father to them. And being humble, um, servant-hearted like Christ was, you know, just wanting to serve my family, enjoying serving my family, getting joy out of serving my family, and um, having selfless motives, you know. Sometimes they'll ask you to do something, and what they want to do is not sinful. So they're asking you to do something but because you're tired, because you're being selfish. Because it's not convenient for you, you may be unchristlike, or at least I will. It happens to me all the time, and this is why my thing is I want to be Christ-like. So um, I want to have a selfish motive behind what I do, and I want to just have a servant heart consistently. Amen. That's the most challenging thing to me as a father. And let, 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 let me say this, too, because I always say this whenever I talk about being a husband. And the Bible says husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And I always say that we have the hardest job because Jesus was perfect, <laughs> okay? And see, women laughing like, I don't mean it like that. What I'm saying is it's hard, man. I mean, Jesus was perfect, didn't sin, didn't do anything wrong. And so the same thing goes to being a father, man. I mean, you have this masculine example. It wasn't like, you know, it was the daughter of God that was came to the earth and lived a perfect life. It was the son of God, a masculine example that lived this perfect life, okay? And so it's tough. And, and so we have that example written out and we got four different versions of that gospel and broken down to make sure we get every perspective. And so it's definitely challenging. 
challenging. Not to say that it's not challenging for women to live like and be like Jesus. I'm just trying to point out from the Father's perspective. Amen? A Father's heart. Pastor Robert. All right. I have two children. Yes. A son and a daughter. Daughter's the eldest. Lene Bennett. She is 19 years old. And Bobby Bennett, he is 16. I think he'll be 17 uh, next week. Um, I think my greatest uh, challenge is um, because the scripture, and I'm going to go straight to the Bible, um, the Bible really doesn't tell you exactly what to do with your children. Um, if you look in the New Testament, I believe there's only about five scriptures that deal with parenting, and only two gives you a direct charge as a father. The other three is talking about ministry. And so my challenge is the things the Bible don't say about parenting. Where should my kids go to school? Who should go to school? Um, private, public, who should lead my children? Who should my children hang around? Um, even Christians, should they even hang around that particular Christian because they don't seem to get along with that person? Should they stay over this person's house? You know, these are things that all have to be done prayerfully because the Bible doesn't say exactly what to do in these situations. So you have to make decisions for your children. I'm not saying outside of scripture, but in a relationship with God the Father, because the Bible doesn't say, no, your child shouldn't go, that, go to that school. No, your child, you know, shouldn't hang out with that person. You know, so I've made decisions that I've had to make with my children prayerfully. So that is the greatest challenge, because my children do not come with a manual or instructions. Amen. Amen. Practical, right? It's, it's the practical challenges is what Pastor Robert is saying. And so a lot of times it becomes those practical issues. And my greatest challenge as a father, I wasn't just going to interview you all. I'm going to make sure I throw mine in there too. So my greatest, they need to know I'm not, I'm not perfect either. Amen. Hallelujah. So my greatest challenge as a father is to be instrumental in my daughter's development of her character while remaining neutral in the negotiable decisions. So what I mean is, I want my daughter to be a God-fearing woman. I don't want her to be a God-fearing worship leader. I don't want her to be a God-fearing doctor or a God-fearing lawyer. In other words, I don't want to determine what my daughter does as far as practically what she decides to do. If she decides to be a school teacher, if she decides to be, you know, whatever it is she decides to be, I want to make sure that she wanted that, okay? And that's a tough thing to do because as a parent, I, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but, you know, sometimes you went through so many things when you were younger, when you were a kid, um, and you, you, you know, you didn't fulfill certain dreams. And so you'll see your child and they're not, you know, they're, they're able. They have all of these opportunities before them. And you want to make sure they fulfill everything that you know you shouldn't have done, you know. When I was in fifth grade, they made me the student body president. And I was like, oh, that's too hard of a job for me, you know. I can't do it. So if my daughter had those opportunities, I'd be like, hey, man, I was just a wimp. And I was like a coward. I should have done this. It wasn't that I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. And so the point is, you'll have things that, you know, you want your daughter to do. I'll give you an example. Um. And my daughter, I didn't ask you permission for this, so I apologize that I'm using this example, but I love you, all right? I'm not going to embarrass you. Um, I hope not. But either, I just embarrass you now. I apologize for that. So, 
Let me apologize too, since we're apologizing. I just want to apologize for messing up when we were doing that solo. You did a wonderful job. Daddy messed up. Amen. You did, you did a wonderful job. I messed it up. Forgive me, please. Anyway, so the, my daughter, when she was, I don't remember how old she was, but she was very young and she started off in you know, Joy Christian Arts Academy and she was playing piano. She still plays piano and she was also doing dance. And so her first year of dance, she loved it. She was down with it. My, my daughter has an amazing gift. Like she'll sit in the back of the car or front of the car, wherever she's sitting, and she'll hear a song, and she's just really expressive. She gets that from her mom. You know, if you see her mom, she does like a whole mind ministry when she's leading worship. And so, um, you know, ultimately, my daughter has the ability to do that. She just brings it out. She'll be like, oh, this could go here. And she's never, you know, really gone to school for that. She's too young. Um, so first year, Christian, you know, academy, and she was, you know, going dancing. Everything was good. Second year. She went to the classes, and she was just not feeling it. And I was like, Alexis, come on, man. You know, we, we want you to, you know, you can do this. You know, you, have, you, you, you can really make this happen. And so long story short, you know, not to get into all of the details, we ended up not forcing it upon her. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, I don't want her to ever feel like. I remember one day, and this what really, you know, struck this nerve inside of me, um, we had a Father's Day of probably maybe five years ago, and in that Father's Day, what they did as a special was they had all of the children or one child of each parent dress up like them. And so they had one dad, you know, he worked on AC, so she came in his AC outfit with the you know, AC thing around her neck, and then the other one came up like this. Well, my daughter, she dressed like her daddy, and guess what she was wearing? A suit with a Bible in her hand. And I remember that our job that Sunday was to go home and to write down something and put it inside of this um, paint box, this paint can, and give it to her when she turned 21. And so at 21, she'll read this letter that I wrote to her. But there's one part in the letter that really stuck out to me, and it was this. It was that, I hope that I've led you to follow Christ but never made you do anything that you didn't want to do. And what I mean is there's going to be some things she's not going to want to do when it follows Jesus, you know, certain things that she's going to want to do that I'm going to say no. And so that's just how it's going to be. But I don't want to force her to be something that the Bible doesn't call her to be. Make sense? Amen. And so that's my greatest challenge as a father. Amen? Amen? All right. So we all agree, and, and this is very important, and you go, you're going to understand why I preface this. I'm going to let Pastor Chad answer this one first. Okay, we'll go that way. Um, we all agree that anything we are able to accomplish is by the grace of God. Amen? Anything that we do, okay, so any accomplishments we gain, anything that we do, it is by the grace of God, whether you know Jesus or not. If it was good, he gave you the grace to do it. It's called common grace. And so ultimately, we recognize that as fathers. But the second question that I ask is probably tough for all of us to answer, um, and it's that we realize that our fruit is only the product of the root. The root is Jesus. That being said, all glory going to God, you as a father, what do you feel has been your greatest achievement thus far? Well, there's, I have a lot of umbrella question, answers because yeah, there's a lot of underneath it. You know, I can point out so many different things in regards to, you know, what my biggest challenge was and, you know, what are my greatest achievements and the rest of the questions as well. Um, but, you know, with all glory to God, I could say, you know, just me being Christ exalting in my home. Um, this isn't my answer, by the way. Um, being Christ exalting in the home and, um, and, and, and challenge him, challenging him, them, um, to, to really see God in everything, you know, to really have a biblical worldview and to really have a desire to want to know who this creator is that created them and gave them life. Um, but my answer with the umbrella side is, um, 
is my greatest achievement as a father is every day that I love my wife well, every day that I love their mom well, is my greatest achievement as a father. Um, and, and it is because that day looks like um, proper tone and speech, well-mannered towards her, words that are unconditionally loving, uh, being patient towards her, edifying her prayerfully and, and, and through devotion, and then um, selflessly serving her without any expectation of glory. So I think that's the greatest as a father. When I look at what the scriptures declare in regards to the family, I think me loving their mom well on any given day, whether it be multiple days or whether it's only been one, I don't know. But uh, let her be the judge of that is just loving, loving their mom well. That's it. That's my greatest achievement. Wow. You sure? <laughs> Um, the question, greatest achievement to this point, I would have to say, I mean, he went over, you know, that nothing is ours. It, all glory belongs to God, and it does. So I'm going to say two things. Um, the first thing I'm going to say, I, th I think that I showed my children what a father's unconditional love was. And the only reason why I can say this is because when I left for those three years, and I came back, they treated me like daddy, still. When there could have been conditions, there were no conditions. I was still dad, I was still daddy, and they still respected me. I think that came from the love that I gave them. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that I'm right. Um, and I think that my greatest achievement will be when I see them in heaven, because all of this was for naught if they don't make it. I don't want to follow up after him ever again, okay? It's terrible. You see that? Now my answer is going to sound weak. I'm going to answer anyway. Okay, so my greatest achievement, I also have two. Thank you. And the first one is a practical one. The first one is that I single-handedly potty trained Alina. It took me three days. Three days. That little girl was attached to my hip. And it was very challenging because I kept asking her, no, no, I'm sorry. I kept telling her. I didn't ask because that was part of the book. Don't ask. Tell her. Tell daddy when you got to go potty. Tell daddy when you got to go potty. Tell daddy when you got to go potty. Three days straight. But you know what? Did she go potty by herself? Yes. She go potty at night? Yes. She wear pull-up diapers? No. <laughs> See that? So, in a practical sense, that is one of my greatest achievements. Thank you very much. Um, applause here. I'm trying to help you all out. All right, and the second one is, in the spiritual sense, establishing a prayer time with Alina. We always, you know, we always go ahead and read her a book. We give her a bath. We do that. We give her a bath, and then we go ahead and read her a book, and we pray with her. And don't, don't skip prayer time. Don't skip it. She'll remind you. She'll be like, Daddy, we didn't pray. We have to pray. And so, you know, just establishing that time. 
And so hopefully that'll go ahead and continue developing and, you know, we'll be able to go ahead and incorporate other things. But, you know, she's got that, she's got that down so far. So. Praise the Lord. That's good. Well, I stuck to my question and I have one answer. Praise the Lord. Um, you guys are amazing. I love y'all. Don't worry about it. Next time, just text me. Say, hey, I got two answers so that way I can be prepared, okay? Thank you. We appreciate that, all right? Anyway, anyway, here it is. This, is. this is what I believe has been my greatest achievement as a father is that I have remained faithful and trying to be the dad that I never had. And so, you know. I'll leave it there. Since y'all clapped, y'all got it. No need, no need to explain. Amen? I'm going to explain really quickly. It's... it's, it's they gave like two answers each. Can I, I, I was going to take like a minute or something like that, something like that. Um, ultimately, you guys, for those of you that know me, you know that I, did, I was not raised with my father. My father and I today, I want to say this, and I say this more for him than me, um, to honor him. My father and I today have a great relationship. We are really good. My father ministers to me. You know, he challenges me. He rebukes me. He corrects me. He does everything a dad is supposed to do, anything that he may not have done when I was younger. He does it now. Um, but when I was growing up, he was not in my life. And so for a long time, I did not have a father in my life. And, um, you know, it was kind of like with my mom. My mother was the one who did the fathering, so to speak, and had a couple of stepdads. They weren't really great. Um, and so well, one of them was, the first one was, I didn't, know, I didn't even know he was my stepdad, but when my mom and him separated, then I found out that he was. But um, ultimately, I didn't have that dad, and I always longed for that. And so for my daughter, I try to make sure that she is very well aware that daddy is always there for her and everything. And I do everything that I can. I make whatever sacrifices I need to make in order to make sure she knows that. Amen? Amen. All right. <clears throat> We talked about the challenge that we have as a father, and so as great of a challenge as being a godly and biblical father is, every one of us falls short of biblical standards, as well as personal convictions. I know that some of us, you know, we want, you know, we have biblical standards that we know what the Bible says, and for every father in here, there should be some things that you know that the Bible requires as a dad. But then there are also things that are personal convictions. There are certain things that you hold personal um, as convictions that are fine. You want, you know, that this is the way that you feel that something is supposed to be. And even in that, sometimes as parents, not just fathers, we fall short of that. Um, whenever we fall short, we're convicted of our sin, we're convicted of our shortcomings, and we're convicted of our, or our, our irresponsibility at different times. None of us has arrived, and as an encouragement or as a challenge to other dads and even single moms, what is your greatest regret or greatest failure as a father? Now, I asked that question as in two parts, and so you can answer it as one. It was kind of like, you know, went together. So you can answer one or you can answer two. Either way, I'm going to ask that Pastor Aldo starts so Pastor Robert can finish, only because I want Pastor Robert to finish because he's the oldest of all of us. He has the oldest children, and so. Two parts, yeah. Because you said two parts. Please clarify. Listen, you need to, you need to pay attention, bro. All right, pay attention, bro. What is your greatest regret or greatest failure as a father? Okay, all right. I thought it was a question on the fly. I'm sorry. Okay, I have an answer for this one. Thank you. Uh, my greatest regret is not finishing school when I was younger and had the opportunity. And that's only because it affected um, being able to be an effective provider. About four years ago, three years ago, three years ago or so, um, I was working at a job, and um, they decided to close. So I found myself... <clears throat> without a job very worried very concerned and um thank god for his grace because he opened up the doors i was able to go to school 
get an education and be able to um, to once again get a job and be a provider. Um, but it really during that time there were there was times where you know I wasn't able to to do things with her. I wasn't able to spend time with her. And although she was young, you know, it, you know, I, I I was like, well, you know, those are those are missed opportunities. And so hopefully I can make those up. But that's kind of one of my my greatest regrets. And um, so well, that that is the greatest according to my answer here. That is my greatest regret. Um, and so now I'm just trying to make up for lost time. Very good. So you combined question three and four, correct? Correct. Okay. <laughs> Pastor Chad did that on purpose. He was helping him. That's what it was. He was like, oh, so I love you, bro. Thank you so much. Making me look good. Okay, so what is my greatest failure? Greatest failure as a father is that I often drift into um, reactive parenting as opposed to proactive parenting. It's so much easier to, when she does something, to tell her, what are you doing? You know, instead of, you know, okay, listen, when we're in this type of situation, you know, we, this is the way that we act, and this is why we act the way that we act. You know, um, sometimes, you know, she gets a little boisterous, you know, and so um, just quick example, we were at, um, where were we? We were at the mall. We were at the mall, and we were at uh, Things Remembered, and at Things Remembered, there's a lot of glass, and I just started working, so, you know, <laughs> I have some money, you know, but, you know, I just don't feel like, you know, giving it all away. So I'm like, okay, Alina, listen. When we go in here, you have to hold daddy's hand because there's a lot of things that can break. And so that would have been a good thing to say before, right? Before. That would have been the proactive thing to do. But I went reactive. I did. I went reactive. We walked in, you know, I was like, okay, just hold my hand, all right? Just walk in, whatever. And so I turned my head for a moment. This girl is so quick, just for a moment. And when I turn back around, she's holding the stem of like one of the little wine glass. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm freaking out, you know? I'm like, I don't want to yell at her because then she'd be like, oh. <laughs> and so I'm like, as calm as I could, I gathered myself, and I said, Alina, give daddy the glass. She said, okay, daddy. And so she gave it to me. And so these are the things that, you know, sometimes I slip into that, um, you know, instead of saying, okay, this is an opportunity, this is going to be a teaching moment, you know, to be able to instill because it's not just about the spiritual, it's also about the practical. She needs to know how to act in public and, and all that. And so, um, you know, just sometimes I slip into a reactive instead of a, a proactive approach to my parenting. Very good. Man, that guy is hilarious, isn't he? He, he always makes me smile. That's what I like about Pastor Aldo. Um, regrets and failures. Um, my regret tied in, you know, I was trying to umbrella this one too. I'm like, man, regrets. I regret so much, you know, it's like, oh my goodness. Um, so I umbrellaed it with every day that I don't love their mom well. Seriously. And you guys are like, what at number two? And that's what I was thinking. But no, because every day that I don't love her well, 
I'm displaying to them how Christ loved the church. So it's like, I regret that. You know, if I don't treat her, if I don't talk to her well, if I don't treat her well, if, I don't, if I'm not patient with her, you know, I'm, I'm showing them, look, this is how Christ loved the church. And now obviously I got some repenting to do and I got some explaining to do because they can't be left with that perverted view of how Christ loved the church, right? So I got to express to them and show them how, look, you know, my behavior was unacceptable. Um, you know, not, not being loving, not being patient, not being kind in these situations is, is, not, is not good. So please forgive me. And they do forgive me because they're very forgiving young people. And um, so, you know, I, I, I frequently communicate the reliability of God's word to them. So if I'm communicating the reliability of it, I need to be living it out as well. And um, I just, it's a good opportunity to show the gospel. It's a good opportunity for them to see uh, love unconditionally, for them to see gracious forgiveness, and for them to see repentance, and, um, and then my gracious wife receiving it. So that's good. So my failure in regards to Pastor Robert laughing. And he's freezing. He's freezing. He ain't he's he's freezing, man. He's freezing, man. It's cold here. The greatest failure is every time that I, um, that I don't, when I lean on my own understanding. Um, leaning on my own understanding is whenever I correct them the way I think is best, whenever I instruct them on in the way I think is best, when I try to teach them on what I think is best, when I discipline them how I think is best, instead of leaning on the scriptures. Um, that's a failure to me every single time it happens. Because um, all of those occasions of teachable, guiding, you know, disciplining, correcting moments are opportunities for me to draw from the riches of God's word and show them how a man is supposed to uh, handle their children, and they're going to imitate that as they get older. And uh, it's shaping their worldview. So it's definitely a failure whenever I know that I have them minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, and so forth, uh, to shape their worldview, and, uh, which, is very which is very laborious. Very good. Laborious. Uh, it, it's, it's tough and it's vital to uh, make sure that I shape their worldview by crucifying my flesh and leaning on God's word to be the final responsibility of our home. Amen? Greatest uh, regret and failure. Um, Bishop can bind that on us. Uh, that was good. <laughs> um, well, I can put the two together real easy. Um, I'm going to go right back to when I was not home. Um, has to be the greatest regret. Has to be the greatest failure of my life. Um, when I was a kid, my father, he used to throw me in the air, play Superman. And I used to say, Daddy, let's go outside and do it. He would just throw me as high as he could. My father never dropped me. If he would have dropped me, I wouldn't have trusted him to play Superman anymore. <laughs> I said that to say this, I dropped my kids. But when I got back home, it didn't matter. It was like, let's play Superman again. That was my greatest regret, my greatest failure. He's, he's good. He, 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 he communicated what we needed to hear. Um, I say my, my greatest regret, my greatest failure, greatest regret is that I don't feel that I still am prepared enough to be a father. Um, and then my greatest failure would be not being consistent enough in family devotionals 
Um, you know, we definitely have prayer time, you know, when it's bedtime, but that's not what I necessarily, you know, Pastor Aldo, they do their family devotion at that time. That's not for us. We do family devotionals differently. Um, and so that would be for me the greatest thing, you know, not, not being prepared enough. If there's anybody in here who is preparing to be a dad, you know, you need to read some books. There's some good books that you can read and learn, you know, about how to, how to shepherd your, your children, how to lead them correctly. You can always grow as a dad. That's very important that you realize that, you know, don't think, oh, well, you know, I'm all, you know, my kids are already big. I don't need to grow anymore. That's not true. You continue to parent them and you continue to instruct them and guide them. Um, so it's important that you do that. I didn't. When I, you know, when I became a dad, I understood I needed to be a Christian. I needed to be an example. I knew we had to pray together. I knew we had to read the Bible together. I understood those things. But there's so much more into being a dad, and I just don't. That's my only regret is that I didn't prepare more because I would have been more proactive. And then as far as family devotionals, I just I want to encourage you in this. You know, it's one thing to just say, man, we need to do this. It's a different thing to do it. To every man in this place, I challenge you as the spiritual leader of your home. Do not leave it up to your wife to lead your home spiritually. You are the spiritual leader. Amen. You are the one that is called to lead prayer. You are the one that is called to lead Bible study. It is your responsibility primarily to lead your family spiritually. Don't let your wife do it because it's not her job. And don't default to her if she's a strong spiritual leader and she prays and she seeks God and think, oh, she's got it. No, you need to be actively involved because there's something that God wants to use you to do in these child's life primarily to give them a good visual of what God the Father looks like in fathering. Amen? All right, so we talked about regrets. We're going to take a real quick break, and we have a little commercial that we want you to see. All right. To be a great dad, you must have a vision. Hopefully, or, or honestly, I never heard a preaching or teaching that really challenged on being a father. Um, you know, prior to me becoming a father, that created a real urgency for me to grow as a father. I've heard plenty now, and I've tried to preach a few myself. Um, while some of us may not have had an example as a dad, you may not have had a dad in your life, or you maybe you didn't have a good example, or maybe you did have a good example. You as a father, what is your aim or your goal as a father? We can start with Pastor Robert. What is your aim or goal as a father? Um, that my children would do everything bigger and better than I did it. If I'm a minister, then I want my son to be a better minister than I am. You know, if I could sing, then I would want him to be a better singer. But I want him to do everything bigger and better than, than I did. When, when I was a kid growing up, um, that was my father's desire for me. I remember when he used to spank me. I used to say, man, why am I getting a spanking? And he used to say, because I want you to be better than me. You know, so I figured his daddy must have beat him, too, because he's a good guy, you know, and he still is. So I, I just want my kids to, to do things better than I did. What is your aim or goal as a father? Um, there's many things that I hope to see my boys do and accomplish. Um, you know, different ways I want them to act and handle themselves and treat a woman and raise their own children if God graciously gives them children. Um, but aside from all that, there, there can only be one goal.
proper aim for me as a father, and that's that they know Christ, that, they, that they're saved, um, that they're uh, in relationship with, with God. I mean, everything that I do is, is for that goal, you know. Um, the way, everything I do, the way I discipline them, the way we worship when we pray, you know, every moment of, of, of my life that I have the opportunity to be with them, it's about them seeing that their dad loves God and wants them to love God as well. The God of the Bible. Um, so this desire has to lead all other desires. Um, I just want them to be saved. And uh, Cotton Mayer, a Puritan, he said that, Remember that your sin nature from which they need to be delivered from was inherited from Adam through you. So uh, we have quite a responsibility to, to really lead them to Christ because they inherited that sin nature through us. Amen. Okay, my aim or goal as a father, um, my aim is to instruct Alina without breaking her spirit, uh, to be able to discern uh, the foolishness from childishness, to be able to instruct her in a way that she would know why why we do what we do, and not just because I, I say so. And I want her to fall in love. Above all, I want her to fall in love with Christ as she grows up. Amen. Amen. My goal as a father is to reflect Jesus so clearly that my daughter will follow him and realize when she is older that it was him leading all the time. That's it. In general, being a parent has to be one of the greatest joys in life. If you had to choose one, and you do, what is your greatest joy as a father? I'm just going to read it, okay? Yes. All right. So my greatest joy as a father is to see Alina implementing the limited moral reasoning that she has and that we've established in her um, when she is obedient to my counsel uh, of her own free will without me being there. Uh, an example of this was um, I had told her, okay, Alina, you know, this is the last cookie or candy or whatever and um and then somebody else offered her a piece of candy and she looked at them she was like i can't you know and so it wasn't because i was you know it wasn't because i was looking it wasn't because i was on her um but you know it was because she was she was being obedient she's you know starting or beginning to understand uh when she wants to uh that being obedient is uh, is important so I can only choose one. I um, I like coming home. If y'all don't know, I work two jobs and I uh, and I go to school now, and um, I don't get a lot of time with my family, which is kind of fits along with one with his regret that I didn't go to school earlier. So when I get home, I just I love to tackle my boys and wrestle on the floor. That's it. I get a lot of joy out of just being together, snuggled up, wrestling, getting attacked, and that's just it brings me a lot of joy. Amen. Um, my greatest joy is my kids love me. There's a lot of kids that don't love their dads. My kids love me and they show it. I have to say, hands down, my greatest joy is to hear my daughter singing. 
That's my greatest joy. I love, I love to see her up here. I, I, I love to see her up here with me, but more than that, I just like to hear her sing. Because, you know, when she gets up here, she's thinking about you. She's thinking about singing right and everything. But my greatest joy was yesterday when I was sitting where Lewis was, and she was up here, had the headphones on, and she was just going off singing Lead Me to the Cross. And that, to me, is the greatest thing, to hear her when she's walking around the house and she's making up songs and all kind of stuff. That, to me, is the greatest joy as a dad. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so lastly, now, obviously, we have to have some preaching, full-out preaching, amen? So um, I asked the pastors here, if they had every man on the planet in one room for three minutes, what would they say to them in order to change or challenge their parenting? And so what they will do, starting with Pastor Aldo, is he will stand up here, he's going to talk to you for three minutes, and then he'll have a seat, and then they'll go down the line like that, and then I will wrap up. I didn't expect to be standing. Stand, please. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> There's no pulpit here, so it's a little nerve-wracking. Okay. So uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Okay. So obviously we should start up with some scriptures, right? So Proverbs 22.6, and I'm glad that I went first because uh, they might use this, so I get to use it first. Yes. <laughs> Okay, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So um, my encouragement would be to be a role model. Don't just say it. Do it. You be the example. Don't just say, okay, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do, and then go off and do something else. Because you could tell your child to be honest all day long, but the first, day, the first time that you tell them, okay, listen, just say that you're under, under 12, okay, so it's cheaper. What do you think that child learned? That child learned, yeah, you know what? I can go ahead and talk all day and, and be honest when I'm speaking to other people. But in my actions and what I do, I'd be whatever, however I want to be. And so then we get mad, right? Why are you acting that way? I saw you doing it. So it's okay for you, right? No longer can we say, do as I say and not as I do. If you want your children to love Christ, you love Christ. Not just when it's convenient, not just when you're in church, not just when you're in front of other church folk, but when you're by yourself. Because you never know when your child is going to walk in. And what are you going to do? Oh, wait, hold on. Let me change this channel. We're... Too late. Too late. In the way that you treat your wife, their mom, right? We need to go ahead and show them the love of Christ that way as well, too. We can't just be treating our wives however we want to treat them. And then when they grow up, they're going to treat their wife however they're going to treat them, right? Can't do that. We have to be the role model. We have to be the example. And also, don't let distractions get in the way of your parenting. Too many times we go to work and work consumes us. Too many times, you know, the television, we sit in front of the TV and we watch hours and hours of television. And sometimes we sit our children in front of the television and say, listen, go ahead and watch these two or three or four or five Disney movies while I go ahead and do my own thing. I got hobbies. and all. Let me tell you something. When you had your child, you have now responsibility. I know. If you didn't want the responsibility, you shouldn't have had them. So now that you have them, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to actively parent, or are you just going to go ahead and let the TV parent them? Are you going to let somebody else parent? Are you going to let the school parent them? Are you going to let this one, that one, and the other one parent them? I say no. Why? Because it's our responsibility. Are they not our inheritance? Did God not give them to us? And finally, 
Too many times I think that we jump on our kids too early. We don't listen. And it's very important to listen to the context of what's going on with them. Let me give you an example. During Christmas time, my daughter's very tactile. She likes to touch things and stuff, and so, you know, we're working on that. Um, I'm sorry about your chest set, Bishop. One day, I will buy you a new one. <laughs> I promise. But we bought Alina, or we, we bought a, uh, a nativity set, and so this was around Christmas time. The nativity set was a precious moments nativity set. And uh, we were smart, and by we, I mean my wife. And she bought a plastic one. And so Alina's, you know, touching the angel and playing with the little shepherds and all that and baby Jesus. Sometimes he gets lost, but we find him. Uh, and so she, lo she loved to play around with it. But then we went to my parents' house. My parents have a porcelain set. And again, I was, you know, doing whatever I was doing, distracting. And so Alina climbed on top of the piano that they have and grabbed the angel. So she's getting down now. I turn, deer in the headlights. And as calm as I knew how, I didn't. I yelled at her, Alina, what are you doing? She's like, ah, thank God she didn't drop it. Thank God she didn't drop it. But I was about to jump on her. And my wife said, honey, wait, she doesn't know. And I stood back and I said, you know what? I thought about it. At home, we have activity set. And she's able to pick it up. She's able to play with it. She's able to do whatever she wants. So instead of jumping down her throat, maybe I should have taken a moment and said, wait a minute. You know, we've taught her one thing, and now this is a different context. So instead of yelling at her and, you know, correcting her that way, I bent down. I got to her level, I said, Alina, you know, at home, we can play with this. But here, this is glass, it can break. We can look at it, but please, don't touch it. So what I would tell the fathers is to, instead of, um, instead of being quick to jump in and, you know, beat your kid or yell at them or whatever it is, that, however it is that you discipline, you know, look at the context of what's going on. Amen? Amen? Was that under three minutes? Is that good? All right, as I have the father's ears, this is for you. Um, be a man. Be a man. Don't make excuses for yourself. Don't be weak. Don't be timid. Don't be a sissy. You know, there's, there's, there's responsibilities that you have, and your child needs you to lead. Your child needs you to be tough. Your child needs you to be strong. Your, your child needs you to be diligent. Your, your child needs you not to grow weary of doing what is right. Your child needs to be led in the scriptures. And this is why the woman likes to pick up the pace because the man ain't doing what the man needs to be doing. So then they get in the way and they try to pick up the pace because you're slacking and you can't blame them for doing that. So my exhortation to you is to 
if you really desire your child to love the Lord, see, I have compassion towards you because maybe you weren't taught right. All right? But I don't have compassion for you because what do you do more than you are diligent at being a father? What hobby, what activity, what TV shows? You know, what interest do you have that consumes more of your time than your time that you're being diligent at learning how to be a father according to the scriptures or through the counsel of one of the leaders? See, we're without excuse, and our children need us. They're vulnerable. They're being attacked in the school system. They're being attacked in this world because this world does not care. And they need you. They need you to love them, shepherd them, teach them, instruct them, all according to the scriptures. And no matter how tired you are, no matter how weary you are, no matter how hopeless it may seem, you're without excuse. And if God commands you to lead your children in the ways of the Lord, to teach them the scriptures as the man of the house, then you're without excuse. And you're in a healthy church that wants to help you do that. So again, you're without excuse by God's grace. So I would challenge you all to do that. Um, lead by example. Read 1 Corinthians 13 every day, twice a day if you have to, if you don't know how to love. Because that's God's standard of love. I hear people saying that they love their children or they love their spouses. Yet when you compare it, you're like, love is patient. You're not patient. What kind of, what kind of definition of love are you loving them by? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to help you with that. And uh, also, it's never too late to be obedient. I see a lot of parents, a lot of fathers, who they, they seem as if, though, my, well, your children are younger. My, ch my child's 14. You know, if, if I would have started when you started, it's never too late. The commandments of God are endless and they're timeless. All right? It may be harder for you because of your foolishness in the first half of their life, but it's not impossible for you, and you're still without excuse. Amen? Amen. All right, I love you all. Um, first, let me just um, give it up for the moms that are in here. I know it's not uh, Mother's Day, it's Father's Day, but Pastor Robert is always impressed with mothers and how they raise their children, especially when they're single mothers. So if you're a single mom, it's, it's your day also. So let's give them a hand. And if you look around, the people that you'll see moving the most is the moms with little ones because they can hear through the walls and you'll see them get up. A father can't do that. If my child was crying over there, I, w I wouldn't know that that was my child. But you will see a mother go, what? And the person next to her said, where are you going? That's my baby crying. And they'll go over to the nursery. And that's, that is incredible to me. Um, what I was saying to the first question um, 63, the 63% of the Old Testament that has to do with fathering has to do with discipline. It's all discipline. And then what do you do once you get past discipline? Well, the five verses that I mentioned, it, it talked about not provoking your children to wrath, but instructing them. So let me just say this to all the fathers. The closest your child should get to sing Jesus is through you. The closest your child, not through the leadership, 
not through their friends, but through you. Because there is not enough instructions in the scripture. Like Bishop said, we raise our children differently, but we all have the same core, and that core is Christ. We all have the same center, and that center is Christ. So the closest your children are going to get to the proper instruction, the closest your children are going to get to a life that they are supposed to be living should be through you. That's my minutes. <clears throat> Hallelujah. All right, so I'm going to take 10 minutes, all right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. The book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says it all. If I had every father on the planet in this place, which I don't, but I have every father that needs to be here today is here. Amen. And what Ephesians 6, 4 says is it tells us for fathers, for us not to provoke our children, right? It tells us that we're supposed to raise them up in a certain way. So it says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so the first thing we realize is that this scripture, it tells us everything that we need to know about being fathers. Because in order for us to do this, the last part right here in the Lord, this, this right here, this is, this is the key to the whole text. It's in the Lord. See, because if you remain in the Lord, if you remain in him, you're going to be able to do all the rest of the stuff. That's the goal. You as a father, me as a father, we have to remain in the Lord. We can't think that we've arrived. We can't feel like we've come to a certain level. We must continually be growing in him. And so when we look at this scripture, the first part of the scripture we find is it says this. Fathers, do not provoke. The first thing he says here is do not provoke your children. And so the easiest way not to provoke or exasperate or overwhelm your children is what Pastor Aldo said. He said to be a model. Say, be a model. And so to every father in here, the first thing that is of the utmost importance is for you and I to be a model of whatever it is that we're asking, whatever it is that we're desiring, whatever it is that we are communicating. The easiest way not to um, provoke our children is for us to be an example. In other words, don't just be a rule giver and definitely don't be a hypocrite. You want to provoke your kids? Tell your kids to do stuff they don't see you doing. Ask your kids to go to church when you don't even want to go to church. Tell your kids that they need to act right when you don't even act right. Tell your kids that they need to obey Jesus when you're not obeying Jesus. Tell your kids they need to do things when you're That will provoke them to wrath. When they're younger, you know what they'll do? They're just going to call you a hypocrite. That's all they're going to do. They're not going to say it like that, though. They're going to say, Daddy, is that the right way that you're supposed to act like that? Should you be doing that? Or they're going to sit next to you when you're sitting down and you're watching a movie you shouldn't be watching. I love this. My daughter, she's amazing to me because I, I always say this. You know, we, we have like these rules. And when I say we, I mean in general. We as people, we have these rules. We're like, you know, there's certain movies because our, you know, the, the, the rating system says, you know, this movie's rated G, general audience, PG, and then PG-13, and then rated R. And so we feel like, okay, well, you know, I'm an adult. I'm over 18, so I can watch whatever I want to watch. You're right. The Bible says clearly that all things are permissible. Not everything is beneficial. You're right. You can watch whatever you want to watch. You can do whatever you want to do. But here's our rule. Our rule is this. Well, you know what? There's certain movies that I shouldn't watch with my kids. Really. So let me ask you a question. Should you really be watching them? Let me ask myself a question. Should I be really watching them? 
But this is the rule. The rule is they can't watch it. I love my daughter because she's honest up front. One day she's watching, a, 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 we were watching some movie, it was a PG-13 movie, and she was like totally disgusted. And she got up after that movie and she said, Daddy, I will never watch a PG-13 movie again. And every time we go to look at a movie, she's always like, what's it rated, PG-13? And she gives me a look like, what you doing? Because we usually watch TV together. And so, you know, it just, it's just not that way. Ultimately, you want to provoke them to wrath? Go on ahead and be a hypocrite. They're going to be wrathful. They're going to be, they're, they're going to be irritated. They're going to be agitated. So the first thing we got to do as fathers is we need to be a model. We need to be an example unto our children of what it means to love Jesus. Remember, all of this is about Christ. This is about the Lord. And so we need to be an example. We need to model that. The second thing that we need to understand is that we are instruments of the molder. The Bible says, it goes on to say, it says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up. When you look up those words to bring them up, it literally means to nourish up to maturity. And so it's saying you fathers. And when it's speaking of fathers, I want you to understand that word is in the masculine. The both ways that it's utilized, it's in the masculine. And so specifically and directly, it is speaking to the father. It is speaking to dads. Now, it doesn't exclude mothers because it's talking about parenting in general. But when you talk about specific who's God talking to, he's talking to dads. And he's saying, okay, dads, you are part of this process of raising your children up, of bringing them up. You are an instrument of the molder. And we must actively participate in molding our children, say molding our children. And so the first thing we got to do is we have to be a model for what we're supposed to be, be a model of what we want them to be. In general, we're supposed to do that. But then we also need to realize that we are part of the process of molding. We are an instrument of molding in the hands of the Lord. And so we are supposed to be vessels that bring into our children's lives the things that they need in order to grow up into maturity. You want mature children? You want mature children that act right? You want children that honor God? Then you need to be that vessel don't be a blockage to their lives don't be a hindrance for the power of the gospel into their lives but be an example be a vessel through which the hand of God can mold your children we're part of that so the first thing that we have to do according to the scriptures is we have to be a model we don't provoke our children we lead our children by example the second thing that we have to do is we have to make sure that we understand that we are part of the molding process in their lives. We are part. We are the hands. God said, here you go. Here's the inheritance. Now you go on ahead and you mold this clay. You do whatever it is. And, and, and obviously, we said this earlier, right? We made this clear. All glory goes to God. God is doing it through us. Say amen, please. It doesn't exclude us. The reason why I ask the question is because for us, and I say us because I know everyone up here, we all, we, 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 and I say this, and I can say this because we know each other. All of us border, we border on false humility. What do you mean? What I mean is this. We will never take any kind of credit for anything. We'll never say thank you for anything. Listen, God uses us to do stuff. He calls us to do things. Therefore, you need to recognize your responsibility without forgetting who your source is. That's all it is. It's about us remembering that everything that we do, everything that we accomplish, it is because of the grace of God. And as a dad, to every father, it's the same thing. You are responsible. Listen to me. God is going to check all of us, all of us, for the molding of our children. All of us. He's not going to let you pass the buck and say, well, hey, man, you're the molder. I'm not, you know, you're the potter. I'm the clay. Hold on a second. 
He's not going to let you throw that back at him because the reality is he is the potter. You are the clay, but you are in the potter's hands and you are called to be an assistant potter. Hallelujah. I just made that up. Glory to God. You're helping him along as he molds. You, you, you be the model and you help him mold. And the last thing here that we see is that we must minister to our children. Say minister. Through intentional and spontaneous discipline and admonishment. He goes on to say, he says, but bring them up, mold them in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so he's saying there, he's saying, listen, you need to be the one that ministers to them. So you go on ahead and you model for them, you mold them, and the way you do this is by ministering to them. And how do you do it? You do it through the word training or or, or the the meaning of that word is through discipline. It's through things. It's being intentional. It's having when we talk about family devotional why is family devotional so important for us it's so important because that's the main place where we are able to have our child's ear attuned to the word of God that's what family devotion does when you sit down with your wife when you sit down with your children and you open up the word of God or you open up a devotional or whatever it is that you're doing if you're reading a book with them whatever it is you at that moment have their undivided attention and you are able to directly pour into their life that is a discipline that's a discipline that you decide well you know what at seven o'clock every night that we don't go to church hallelujah or six o'clock in the morning I, t- I tell you either way works one of my one of my closest friends pastor Mike Gonzalez he, he has his kids his, his children are teenagers as well. They're in high school right now. And his, his, his and his wife's plan was to send their children <clears throat> to, a, to a private Christian school until they got to high school. And then in high school, they were going to send them to a public school. And that way they could experience like the real temptations while they were still under the shelter of the home. I don't necessarily suggest that to anyone. I'm just saying that was their idea. Well, anyway, they moved. And when they moved, the public school that was nearer to, that, that was that was in their district was much closer than the private school they were taking to their kid. They were taking their kids to. So what they did was they went, they visited the public school. The public school was a good school. Long story short, they ended up putting their kids in public school much earlier than anticipated. Pastor Mike said to me this when I was sitting down with him talking about parenting. He said, the best thing that ever happened to me was that we put our kids in a public school. And I said, well, why is that? He said, because it made me shepherd my sons like I would have never done if they were in a private Christian school. He said, you know what I did? I decided that I was going to get up an hour earlier with my sons every day so we could pray, have devotional together, and then work out. And that's what he did. And if you meet his sons today, they are respectful, God-fearing young men, and they're walking with the Lord. And so he does it at what? 5.30 in the morning is when he decides that he's going to do his devotional time with, the, with his children. That's when it works for all that are scheduled. It didn't work in the evening. For you, you're like, man, I don't have any time at night. Can you get up a little bit? earlier can you get up a little bit earlier think about the eternal value you can miss an hour of sleep and you can cause them to gain eternal life simply by taking that time to get up with them and so as a father, it's important for us that we have those things that are intentional, those things that we sit down and we say, okay, these are the things that we are going to do. Those are the disciplines. But then there are those spontaneous moments, those moments that are reactive sometimes that, you know, our kids do something and we just have the opportunity of opportunities. Glory to God. 
And it's not necessarily when they do something wrong. It can be when they ask a question. We were, we were having a class the other night on Wednesday night, and I want to encourage every parent. I just want to throw this in there right now. Right now, I'm dealing with parenting from a biblical worldview. And listen, I don't care if you got to miss sleep the next morning. I don't care if you got to go to bed an hour later. I'm telling you that I encourage you to make every effort that you can this Wednesday specifically, because this is when I'm going to really get into it deeply, to be here and get a real biblical worldview of what it means to be a parent. Whether you are a parent of adults, whether you're a parent of little children, whether you're a parent of, of, of middle age, whatever it is, but I encourage you to be here. In our Bible study a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about parenting, right? While we're talking about parenting and we're having this conversation, a question came up, and the question was, when do I have the talk with my kids? And y'all know what the talk is, right? Some of y'all may not have had it, and you have some younger kids in here, so I won't, I won't go into detail on that. But the question is, when do we have that talk? When do we have that conversation? And the, and, and the question got a little bit deeper. How do you talk to them about this without encouraging this? How do you protect them from certain things that they can experience and so on and so forth? And, you know, I'm sitting here and, 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 and I would tell you with all sincerity of heart, you know, I gave the best answers that I could. And I had Sister D who was sitting in the back just filled with wisdom. Wisdom from on high just came into the room. Glory to God through her. And she said, listen. She's like, and she said it real, real, real nice and sweet. I was so blessed by it. She's like, you know, Bishop, I don't know if you're understanding the question they're asking. It wasn't that, that I really didn't have the right answer they were looking for. Glory to God. <laughs> Just to throw it out there, I don't always have the right answer. She said, but their question is this. And she said, let me, let, let me tell you how it is. You tell them what they need to know and the opportunities will arise and you need to be ready for those moments. Here's the thing. We always hear the, you know, the admonition of the Apostle Paul, you know, be ready in and out of season, right? What about parenting? Be ready in and out of season. Be ready to communicate the truth to your children. Be ready to share what is right with your children. Be ready to instruct them. Not in a negative. A kid can have a sincere question. A kid could have gone through something. A kid can see something on TV. A kid can experience something on their way home or whatever the case may be. And you have to be the parent that has the answer to give them. You may not have all of the answers, but you need to be as prepared as possible and you need to know your children. I love what Pastor Robert said and I, and, and, and I agree with the statement. We don't get a manual with our children as individuals. Okay, we do get a manual. We have a Bible. The Bible teaches us how we're supposed to instruct our kids and all this type of stuff. The Bible is clear on all of that. But when it comes to my child as an individual, the Bible doesn't say Alexis is going to be like this, this, and this, and this is how you deal with that. It isn't true. You have to get to know your kids, and that means fathers as well. Amen? And so we have to have those moments that we discipline, but then we have the admonishment. When we're looking at the word admonishment, the word admonishment, it means to communicate. It means to share with them. And so you communicate to your children the right things, the things that God calls us to do, the things that God requires of us. But can I tell you the most important thing? And I'm learning this, and I'm growing in this, and I'm probably going to share this like a hundredfold, and, and next week just totally clear. We need to make sure that our children understand the wonder of the gospel hear what I'm saying parents your children need to understand the wonder of the gospel they don't just listen now they don't just need to know what they're supposed to do and not to do they need to really grasp what Jesus has already done for them you know, what the, you know what I think is one of the greatest issues with so many people who grow up in church? 
They know a God who tells them no, 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 and they never come to know the God who died on the cross for their sin to live a life of perfection for them, who grants them freedom from every bondage and every power of darkness, who opened up the windows of heaven so you could have a relation. They don't get that God. And it is important for us as parents that we don't just throw a rule book at our kids by letting them know right from wrong, but that we let them know the Savior. It is so, so important that we admonish our children, that we help our children to understand that Jesus did great and glorious work on that cross for them. That's our responsibility as parents. It's not the responsibility of Sunday school teachers, not the responsibility of the daycare you send them to. It's not the responsibility of the school day. It is not anybody else's responsibility. You are the first evangelist to your children. And I'm speaking to dads right now at this moment. If you're a single mom, then I'm talking to you because you know what? It's on your shoulders. And you know what? The grace of God is sufficient. The grace of God is sufficient. and He will enable you to do that. And so we must minister unto our children by word, but also in action. We must tell them the way, we must show them the way, and we must lead them in the way. Here's the bottom line, and I'm closing right now. If we commit to modeling Christ before our children, if we commit to molding them in the character of Christ-likeness, and if we commit to ministering unto them Christ in their moments of need, that means when they need to be corrected hardly, they need to be put in their place, that we do that in the love and in the name of Christ, that when they need to be encouraged, that we are there, when they need to be lifted up, that we are there, when they need to have their little stuff deflated, that we do that as well in the name of Jesus and in his love. Amen? When we commit to doing those things, when we say, I am going to be a model, I am going to be a molder, I am going to be a minister, the rest is up to the spirit of Jesus Christ to regenerate them and empower them to serve him. But here's the beauty of it. If we will commit to those things, man, you don't fail. If we will commit, and and when I say commit, I don't mean like, you know, I told my kids about Jesus and I did my job. No. Understand something. If you read your Bible, you will see God is constantly repeating himself. Why does God constantly repeat himself? Is it because he's like a nag or something like that? Or he just wants to just be repetitive? No. He repeats himself because we constantly forget. He repeats himself because we, because here's what we do. We think we know it. We got it here in our head. And now I know it, and so I go on living my life. I never revisit that again. And God has to pull us and say, hey, you don't, you don't really know that. I can't tell you how many times I've read scriptures, gone through them, and then later on, like a year or two later, I haven't looked at that scripture again and, and thinking, man, I got this thing quoted down 100%. Go back and read it. I'm like, man, I'm missing like nine words. Hello? I don't have it, I don't have it down like I thought I did. It wasn't correct. And so God is constantly reminding us. And as fathers, that is what we need to do. Constantly reminding our children of what Jesus looks like. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet and let us pray for a moment here.